Allison Knowlton Mason. I'm Stanley Bradley, and we're friends turned family getting together to tell stories, laugh, observe, and think. This is the Framley Meeting. And this week, we're going to be talking about wellness, so, which I think is particularly appropriate given the times that we are living in and kind of, well, for, are still in, despite what other people might think and yeah. what people's actions are, we are still living in a global pandemic. And so I think for a lot of us, clearly this has been a time to think about wellness. And um, as we always do, we wanna approach it, think about it in two ways. And for us, the two ways are definitely holistic. So not just this idea of absence of sickness, which is I think what a lot of people assume when you talk about wellness, like your physical health, but not just that, but like your mental health, definitely how all of that works together. And then for me personally, when thinking about wellness, a lot of it is wellness as a journey. Like I think we mentioned in the belief episode, we talked about this concept of belief not being a fixed point. And for mm-hmm. you, Allison, I think that that was one of the big t- takeaways that I pulled from your journey with belief was this idea that belief is not actually this fixed point. And that, that the, trying to the reach. journey that is the journey the destination. Is the destination, exactly. And I feel like it's the same thing with wellness. I think for a lot of us prior to, especially I think prior to the pandemic, wellness, and particularly I think in our Western culture, wellness is like a set of physical ideals, right? Like you're mm-hmm. absent from disease, you're, you look a certain way, mm-hmm. you have the ability to do certain things because you look, because your body is built a certain way. And that if you're not, if you don't meet those standards, then you're not well. And for me, with the pandemic, that really just, it gave me the time to really think about what it means to be well, mm-hmm. right? What I really just came up with was with everything so out of control, like literally, you know, not knowing who around you might be sick before right. we went into quarantine. Right. Not like us literally not knowing what this thing can do to you. It kind of opened up my eyes to this idea that part of what living well is, is being able to control when other things are out of control, right? So. Say more. So like, just to use the pandemic, for example, right? Like you can't, like you don't, like you said, you don't know who's sick, who's not sick at the beginning stages of it. And so really thinking about, well, what do I need to do to keep myself in the basic sense from getting sick, but also if for whatever reason, I lose my means to provide for myself, how do I control the things that I can control when, every, when there are other things that are going to definitely be out of my control, right? Mm-hmm. So I think the pandemic for me just really gave me the space to be like, okay, you know, you don't know when you're going back to the office, but what you can control is how you spend your workday, right? Like how you decide mm-hmm. whether or not you're going to work in this space called home, right? So are you going to continue to, like, are you going to make it where work becomes all-encompassing or are you going to make a a divide a line between Mm. work and home right which like can play out in like a sort of like how you set up your space so saying that like this is a part of my home where I'm going to work and then further 
into that space of how do I set this up so that I feel really productive and I feel well, like how, yeah. how do I set this up so that it gives me what I need exactly. to thrive? Yeah. Yeah. And how do I get that balance of, I get work doesn't intrude into my personal space, personal space mentally, or even personal space, like you said, physically. Mm-hmm. I also think what it did for me is that it gave me the space to kind of separate like physical exercise and that part of wellness, it allowed me to figure out or to start some work on how do I separate physical standards of wellness from the actual wellness. Understanding again that, you know, part of be- part of wellness, again, holistically, part of wellness is the fact that, you know, you are in tune with your body, but at the same time, kind of separating from those standards of Western culture, that you have to look a certain way in order to feel like you're well, that you have to move a certain way to other to feel like you're well. And really understanding for me that movement and exercise is, rather than it being, a, it's a symptom of me not being well, as opposed to a cause of me being well. Oh wait, explain that. So what, so what I've discovered is, is that when I'm feeling good, when I'm in a good mental space, when I'm in a good place where I have resources around me, be it money, be it time, I am more likely to engage in physical activity, be it whatever kind of exercise I want to do. And mm-hmm. so when I'm not in that place of feeling good, mm-hmm. that is the first thing that drops off is my physical activity. And so really, and for some people, for most people, I feel like it's the opposite. I feel like that for people use exercise- To feel better. To feel better. Mm -hmm. For me, exercise is a privilege of already feeling good, right? So if I'm feeling good, then I'm more likely to be like, you know what, I'm gonna go ahead and take this walk or I'm gonna go ahead and do engage in some physical activity. Whereas if I'm not feeling well, I'm going to tend towards laziness. I'm going to tend towards not, mm-hmm. I'm going to, the physical, like I said, I may, it may be that I, instead of going for a walk, I'm going to sit and read mm-hmm. or have some other action. Because again, that's the first thing that I lose is the physical exercise when I'm not feeling yeah. well. I sort of am similar I say across the board, I think in the pandemic, things changed a little bit to where like I was feeling really stuck and really not well mentally. Like I just felt really trapped and a little bit hopeless at times. And some physical activities started to help break me out of that just because there wasn't anything else to use really. (laughs) Cause it was like, you know, that was back when we were still in our old apartment and like we we're two human beings in a 640 square foot apartment. And there, I mean, we had some nice outdoor space that was also known as like the mosquito alley. So <laughs> it was like, <laughs> you had to trade off a little bit to go out there, but there wasn't, there wasn't many, very many places to go, right? Like you said, to control your access to the virus, you're like, if you go much further than this patio, you don't know what can happen to you. And so it was like, well, walking around the block, you know, yeah. like with your mask on is the thing that can start to like loosen up some of the, that feeling that, you know, this is very Christian and over the top of the shackles. 
but you know, that feeling of like being trapped. Yeah. And so I'm gonna like, for me with the pandemic and thinking about wellness, I think one of the things like not having to go into an office did was it gave me more extra time and took the, like, again, it's that whole idea of having, of, of like part of what is living well is having those resources. And like the extra time I took not commuting, just physically not going to work mm -hmm. was like, it was really like a lifting of a burden in some sense that made me feel better, which then in turn, again, made me want to be like, okay, you know, you can, like you said, you can still go out with this mask on and go for a walk. And so I took that time because I felt better now that I had time and didn't have to get up and go to work and put on, <laughs> put on work put like on clothes. Put on non-stretchy clothes. clothes. Yeah. <laughs> and really, you know, just being able to, again, shape your own schedule in that way where like, instead yeah. of being there at eight now, you know, now, even if you sign into your email at eight, that's different than leaving your house at seven. Cause now it's you can so just, different. Yeah. To make sure that you're at work at eight or, you know, leaving at seven 30 to make sure that you're that's 30 minutes. That's like a, Oh yeah. That. And so that, that was really huge for me. And it's also been huge to transition back to the office. It took a little, you know, again, it kind of took me out of this pattern that I had developed because mm -hmm. that, again, that resource, that time was gone. So yeah. that's definitely something that I thought a lot about. Well, I, I mean, you're preaching to the choir to me. I, I've been a person who's worked from home for years. Yes. I was at a school for one school year and it was like the the end of me. <laughs> like like <laughs> the fact that well, I, we had a 710 meeting every morning, like a standing meeting every morning at 710. I, I mean, it was like the end of me to yeah. do that every day. It was like, I looked crazy. I felt crazy. And I'll get into my definition of living well later, but I did not feel well yeah. because it was, I was all, all off. So live, working from home, man, it's a, it's a gift and it is people. But, I'm glad that the world sees that it's, it's more yeah. doable than we thought. Yeah. And like, I, yeah. And I think it, again, it's like, it's that whole idea of, I think part of wellness is be, you know, having the space to just kind of manage yourself you know, to under, cause the more, totally, and to totally. spend time with yourself, because mm -hmm. in order to feel well, you have to know yourself. That's exactly. You have to know yes. what, you have to know yourself and know what feels off about a certain thing and know, and you have to confront stuff, you know, like the one thing I was thinking about when you were talking about control is something that I hadn't originally thought about when we were prepping for this is like financial health. So like, you know, trying to control what you can control appeals to me because I'm like a controlling kind of person, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, you know, that feeling of like, there's all sorts of things that can happen. You can't prepare for all of them, but like, there is some wellness to be found on the other side of thinking through, you know, honestly, some, some like worst case scenarios, but then just planning for the future and truly not thinking that you are going to live in a bubble of health and youth forever. Yes. And that's, Anis and I have been talking about this a lot. And, you know, like confronting the fact that over time, your body is going to change, right? Like for me, I had a big metabolism slowdown at 27. I had another big one at 30, another one at like 34. And so like <clears throat> the things you put in your mouth, 
how you move your body, those things are a combination that you have to keep reassessing, you know, as you confront your body, like as you look in the mirror and say, like, what do I see? How do I feel? And so, you know, it's like confronting the fact that you have a certain amount of money that you've earned that has been given to you, whatever you have to confront what to do with that money. Like if you just like let it sit in your account, like that's one way to to deal with it, I suppose. But it's like, you know, especially as black people where we don't have that generational wealth as something that is like prevalent in our community. If we ever want to get there or get anywhere near there or like be able to care for and like set up some amount of wellness for the people who are coming behind us, then we're going to have to take that, that control in our hands and say like, okay, like, do I need to get disability insurance? Do I need to get life insurance? Do I need to invest in something and figure out how to control the, what you do have and like not feeling like you need to have some, some unattainable thing. Just like, what do I have? You know, I have this money. I have a body. I have a mind. I have a spirit. I have this moment. Like, what do I need to do with those things in order to be well? Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that, that's a word right there. Especially because again, I'm now I'm thinking about the resources and like you said, financial health, because so much of what, again, the idea of, I think I always think about, think about when you're really feeling good and when you are living well, part of it is this idea that you're not, you're not stressed. And we live in a capitalist country. Right. And so part of that is being free. And I think there's a difference between is being free from the worry. And that, that comes with having, like you said, financial health. No, I think the thing that can be separate is that it may not, that the degree to which people, like you said, it's kind of like this idea of doing well with what you have. Right. Like it's not wealth. It's not financial health. It's yeah. And it's, it's exactly, it's, it's, it's doing well with what you have and using those things to kind of create that space again of control. So definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Um, for me living well, I was, you know, again, as we were like prepping this, I was thinking about a couple of things like overarchingly for me, living well means that I'm comfortable in my own skin as, as comfortable as I can be. And so, and I think again, like I have been, I've come very close to this idea that the journey is the destination which I think is true for everything. Yeah. And so it's like, I think about the comfort in my own skin, the comfort of my, with my thoughts, like right? the ability to observe and what is happening in my mind and like reckon with it, right? So like the times when I feel anxious, like being able to like figure out what I feel anxious about, where that anxiety came from and then what to do about it. You know, and even if that means like, there are times when I'm like, I feel anxious and I'm not going to be able to get rid of this anxiousness right now. So what I'm going to do with this anxiousness is like squash it for a little bit to see if I can, you know, get to the other side of it by ignoring it, squashing it or working through it. Right. So I'm not, not to say that you always have to work through everything. Yeah. Um, But that ability to just like observe and reckon, I feel like is how I, what I consider like wellness in my mind and wellness in my thoughts. Um, in my body, like I think about <clears throat> largely living without pain, um, which, you know, I'm, I'm blessed to not have any chronic illnesses, any chronic pains. And so the things that 
caused me pain almost, I don't know what percentage, but most of the things that cause me pain, I can control. So like, if I go eat a bowl of ice cream, (laughs) (laughs) that is not made with like coconut milk or cashew milk, I'm gonna have some pain. (laughs) It's gonna be for a while. Lance is going to have some pain as well. Everyone around is going to have some pain because that's not going to be good. And so those are things I can control. Right. And so I'm like, don't eat dairy products. <laughs> like as much as you might want that artisanal ice cream, you cannot have it. And or if you're going to have it, just go ahead and know you're going to reckon with. <laughs> well, yes. And I think that is, was my definition at some earlier point in my life when I think I was still trying to figure out like my lactose intolerance and like what it meant. And, you know, cause some people are like, Oh, I can't, I can eat cheese, but I can't drink milk. Right. I don't, I can't do any of it. And so I (laughs) I thought I could, and I'd be, then the one day I went completely dairy free and I realized that my stomach had been hurting for like some years. And then I was like, Oh, this is what it's like for your stomach to not hurt. I was like, well, shit, there is never a reason for me, you know? And so I, I think I probably eat something with, with like a actual dairy product in it, maybe once, once or twice a year. Wow. And I take a whole bunch of pills, like lactase pills beforehand to try to mitigate it. And I, I can think of very few things that are worth it. Almost nothing is worth it. And so that's a thing like living without pain, yeah. eating well, like even even things that aren't going to cause me pain. Like there are times when I just like feel like I need more vegetables in my life. Like I feel better when I'm eating more vegetables. Um, and then, you know, in terms of exercise, like journeying towards the best body that I can have in alignment with my overall needs. So similar to you, I'm like, there are times when my, what I need to do is just sit on the couch. And that is the best way for me to like align my wellness that day then there are times when the best thing I can do is get on the bike. And so that comfort to be able to have that choice, like you talked about resources is important for me, but then also just being able to determine what that is in a moment. And then like continuing on that journey, um, comfort in my spirit, like the ability to hear and be led to be on this journey of growth and learning is super important to me right now coming closer and closer and closer to my inner voice, closer to my purpose. Those are things that are like very important for me in particular right now. But I think again, like this journey is a destination thing is like the overarching theme in my life right now. And it's like so exciting to constantly be on this journey, constantly be learning things. Um, Aligning that comfort in my spirit. It's just, it feels really good. Um, And then the last thing I was thinking about is like comfort in the moment So like being able to observe and feel a moment fully and process that in a way that like starts to define the way that I live and my understanding of who I am. So what I find is that like, this is one that's harder for me of like staying present in a moment. I do a lot of, I enjoy multitasking. So I do a lot of like two things at the same time, which is not a great way to be present for me. And so that's one that I kind of struggle with. Um, of really like taking in moments, conversations with people and like, you know, even, even my, like my work, like not trying to do two things at the same time, just focusing on one project and really giving my full attention is something that it, I think is important and contributes to my wellness. Cause in the end, if I do that, 
I'm able to say really clearly that like, this is the best work that I can give and can do. Um, And then the last thing I was thinking about on this wellness journey is like something that I'm, I'm really just beginning this journey is like trying to clean up the toxins around me, like just very little like physical toxins. And so uh, switching to like natural deodorant, which I've talked to you about offline <laughs> has been a good journey. I recommend everybody go to at source house, uh, house is spelled H a U S on Instagram. That's my homegirl's um, Instagram page. She talks all things wellness and she has many helpful things there, but she's got me into this um, uh, natural deodorant, which is great. It's not antiperspirant, so I'm way sweatier than I used to be, but I no longer have aluminum going into my body, which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, cleaning products, soaps, lotions, all that stuff. So, um, so that's like one of the pieces that I'm still trying to figure out. Yeah. So yeah, I can't, I'm not there yet with my wellness. <laughs> I'll be perfectly frank. I am still in this, in that idea. But I do like this idea, right, of, of, of like, again, the journey. So now that as you move through wellness, you also think about the wellness of your surroundings, of what you're putting into your body, of what mm-hmm. you are putting into the world. Because again, to be well, again, thinking about it just holistically, if you are not well, you're probably not putting out, you're not making others well either, right? And you're not putting out, so whether, like you said, whether it be that physical, like mm-hmm. the kind of products you use, but also like this idea that people can, people kind of know when you're not well, because mm-hmm. you're not putting out that same energy, that mm-hmm. energy that you put out when you're well. Now, that is one thing that you talked about the multitasking. That is one thing that I, when I feel too busy, that's how I know I'm not well. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That, that is, that is an initial trigger for me mm-hmm. when I feel like, like when I feel like, cause I cannot multitask, like I, I have learned that being one of the things you learn being a teacher, which I was, that was one thing that I learned fairly early on in mm-hmm. my career was that I can, and people think that teachers do a lot of multitasking, but what I've discovered is that really good teachers just have a routine that does a lot of small things well, but they're still very discreet. Like and you're just moving through. You're just a moving process. through them quickly. Yeah, you have a good process, and you're moving through the process. But you cannot. I could not teach well and try to do more than one thing at a time. If there was like some kind of lesson, like I needed to have that focus, mm-hmm. and that's something that even outside of the classroom, like now, I will like if I feel myself like this thing is going on, this thing is going on. I'm like, okay, which one can I do quickly to get mm-hmm. that off my chest, and then so mm-hmm. I can focus. But I, I've never been a good multitasker. Yeah. So that's something that, so like when I feel super busy and not accomplished, like I also think there's a difference between accomplishing things and just being busy. Like it's one thing to go through your 20 item to-do list and be like, okay, I'm checking this off. I'm checking this off. But it's one thing just to be doing things constantly, but never getting any accomplishment. I mean, I, I think that's true. But for me, it's even if I am accomplishing things, when I'm too busy and for me, it boils down to when I have, like then when I have control over my time. So going back to what you said at the beginning, when I have too many things to do, even if I am actually accomplishing all of them and like they're high stakes things, people are waiting for things. 
you know, it's like meetings after meetings, conversations or whatever. And you truly have to be somewhere, have to respond to something or, I mean, and of course all these haves are very quotation marksy because really at the end of the day, nothing matters more than your wellness. But in these situations where somebody's telling you, right. And, and you have even aligned yourself to where you believe it, man, for me, like that overwhelming feeling of like, you will barely have time to get all this done. You will barely have time to sleep and eat. You have to get back up and do it again. I just start to feel just raw. And for me, it's about being able to have time when I'm not required to do something, be somewhere, talk to somebody to process, to like, like I said, sit in a moment, what, what just happened? How do I feel about what just happened? Um, you know, how do I assess like, how was this day? Whatever to rest, right? So not that feeling of like, ah, like I'm going to be able to get four hours of sleep and then I have to get back up or whatever to actually rest. And then being able to like, just use your mental energy to just like feel and gather evidence towards your wellness. Like if I don't have that, I'm a mess. I'm a mess. I can do it for a little while. And I think that that's what I was doing at Institute, you know, Yeah. which I did 10 institutes and there's something that's like, feels a little bit like, like a rush about it. Yeah. When stuff is like high those, stakes and people are waiting for you and you're like. Those endorphins. And yeah. Like, yeah. And so it was, it was sexy for a little while, but the older you get, man, like I said, like these, these changes in your body, like my body's like enough. That's enough. You're <laughs> going to sleep now. You're going to sleep now. You will not be able to give 150% every summer. You're going to have to stop this. So yeah, that's that's for me. Like when I get off, that's how I know. It's like when I, that's like the biggest signal when I don't have time to f- even figure out how I feel is when yeah. I'm like, it's going south. Help, stop. Yeah, and I, I think that I think that's the thing about wellness is that when you are too far to one side, I think mm-hmm. wellness is like again because you're on this journey. Mm-hmm. It's kind of this, to me, it's a middle of the road feeling, right? Like mm-hmm. it's a, yeah, I like that. I, it's a middle of the road feel. Like, I feel like, like, again, it goes back to that control. Like everything is having a purpose. I'm in control. Even when I'm challenging myself, it's like, it's because I want to challenge myself. Right. 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 And I understand I'm setting the parameters about how hard, I, how hard I'm going to work, how much I'm going to invest in myself in this knowing my limits. I think that that's gotta be. I mean, I think it's balance, you know, yeah. like that middle of the road is balance. Yeah. It's just like, if you lean in one direction in one facet of your life, it's like, you're going to need to compensate in some ways. And it's like, I think ideally it's middle of the road for everything, but I don't think that's life. Like, yeah. you know, and sometimes you have to push in a certain area, but you have to like, you know, have a discrete time that you're going to do that and then set reset or let another area compensate. Yeah. So thinking about maintaining your wellness, what are some, do you have like any strategies or just any? Um, I think it's, I don't think there's anything new. I think the thing for me is like being very tuned in. Like I said, like being aware and noticing and not assuming again, that you're going to be in this bubble of like health and health and youth forever. Um, but like coming close to whatever a feeling is. And then for me, I like to add evidence. 
So, you know, when you think about your body as an example, I'm like, go to doctors. <laughs> I hope we all go to doctors. Um, again, if you're listening to this and you don't go to doctors, go to doctors. Go to the doctors. <laughs> they can help you with things. And so I was on a really good streak for a couple years right before I left Atlanta where I got a physical every December. To me, again, that control over what you can control. Yo, like I might have something that had popped up in March, you know, something I can't feel, something that you can only see in my blood work. But if I'm getting a physical and getting a full panel of blood work every year, there's only going to be so many more months until somebody sees that. Yeah. You know, we have a bunch of, we have a bunch of cancer in my family. And so again, you never know what can happen to you if you feel it, whatever. But if you constantly are tapping into your feelings and then adding evidence, those things aren't going to get too far away from you. And so, you know, when I think about my mental health, like my family is on the hook for me right now. Like I've had, I've worked with therapists in the past and I sometimes think about it right now. I feel like my, my poor friends and family are the people who are playing that role for me. Um, but I think right now, the way that I'm able to kind of like self-assess works in that I'm able to kind of like figure some stuff out, process things with friends and family and, and keep it moving. But at whatever point, I'm not able to do that self-assessment to where I'm able to get help in small doses from people who I know, then back to therapy we go, you know? And so yeah. I think that like tapping into a feeling and then making sure that you're adding evidence is the way that I do it. Do you have mm. other thoughts? Um, Like I said, I think, I think for me, time is necessary. Mm -hmm. And then I think what has really, I think this comes with age is for me really separating from this idea of that wellness is just about the body Mm, yeah, and just about the way that you look. And I know we keep saying it, but I think it's really important because so much of what we hear is if you if you if you look a certain way, you're unhealthy, mm -hmm. which may or which or you're not well because you carry this BMI. Mm. And really thinking about that, like really, if you feel good and you're able to function well and you're able to have that control. It could just be that this is what you look like. That's right. And it could just be like, this is okay. Because or it could be that step on the journey for you. Yeah. That that is where you are in the journey and that's right for you right now. And that's right for you right now. This may be what your body needs right. to feel. Right now. Mm -hmm. And so that has been really eye-opening for me. And that's really where I am right now is just really trying to think through wellness and being like, okay, I'm okay with this right now, mm -hmm. because I am, because I feel good. Mm -hmm. Because I feel good. I, like you said, again, I think the other, the control is key. Like I'm able to do what is necessary for me to feel good. So right, right. That, that's been really key for me, I think. And then just, again, another thing that I think about is willpower to use those resources. Because mm -hmm. I was doing something the other day and I did not want to do, like, I did not want to do it. I was like, I don't want to do this. But I was like, Stan, what is really, why don't you know you'll feel better after you do this? And you know, you feel good while you're doing this. So just do it. Like, but if I didn't That's have, right. but if you don't have the time and space to really, again, like you said, be in that moment and think about things mm -hmm. that you don't, 
then you're not well and you don't have that willpower. So like, again, the journey, the circle, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I think but that's I mean, so key. You think about it too, like, you know, like I think, so like to your example of like doing something you don't want to do, like there are times when I'm like, I don't feel like writing, but I'm like, no, go ahead. Like, like you said, you feel good once you get started, you feel good when you're done. But I think when, and this, I just speak for myself, it's like when you're feeling like really out of alignment, right? So if like you're busy, you're feeling pressured, you're feeling like there's all these external factors kind of like acting on you and you're like, ah, like that doesn't feel good. I feel out of control. To then like force yourself to do something that you don't like, even if you know, like you can reason that it's going to feel good or be good, feels like you're exerting pressure on yourself. And you're like, when there's all this other pressure and all these other negative feelings, you're like, why would I add more negative feelings to myself? And so that's why for me, it gets so hard to be like, do it. And I'm like, no, (laughs) like this is the control I'm exerting right now. Yeah, I don't have control over other things, but the control I'm exerting is I don't want to do that. So I'm not not going to. And so, you know, and again, in that moment, that's good, right? That's good for you to recognize because what what you need. And, but it's also like, so that's one part, right? Because something else is out of alignment. But then when you get that other thing back in alignment where you don't have all this pressure on your mind, you're able to then kind of reason through and be like, ah, I don't feel it, but it'll be good. And so let me give myself a little bit of pressure and then something good will result. Yeah, and it's like you used to, it's like you always tell me, like see to your basic needs first. And sometimes your basic yep. need is to not do anything. Right. And not is is to because again, it's because you're doing too much previously and not in that space where this thing is going to be beneficial for you. So you need to stop and be like, my basic need right now mm-hmm. is to sit down and do nothing until this I This is get- like black mama advice. Everything goes back to you just doing too much. You're doing too you're much. Doing too much. Is it down? Yes. Yes. That is it. That's that is it. Don't That's do it. too much. That's right. You'll feel fine. <laughs> You'll be well. Don't do too much. Don't do too much. <laughs> um, all right. What's up for you this week? What's up for me is the tennis channel. Oh my gosh. So I mean it's so crazy. <laughs> it's like the first thing I turn to when I turn on the TV. Is that like in a regular cable package or do you have to subscribe to that? It's in the regular, it's in the regular cable channel regular um it's in the regular cable experience. okay uh, clearly like all black folks i am a serena fan obviously serena and venus but i guess it was maybe in this quest for tw- in her quest for 24 i started watching like the the majors and then i think one of the majors they covered a lot on tennis channel mm-hmm. i can't remember if it was the french open one of them they covered a lot on tennis channel. So I just started watching tennis channel. And then like, you just see like random athletes. And of course I root for everybody black. So obviously there are are a couple of, um, there are a couple of young up and coming black tennis players, Coco Goff, obviously Felix Oje Aliassime. He's a Canadian man mixed with like Haitian and French or something. And yeah, so like basically in trying to keep up with them, the tennis channel is now on when the TV is on. It's like the first thing I flip to. It's bizarre. That is fascinating. And yeah. not off brand. No, because I do, in, I do. that is the PE class I took in college. I'm not good at it at all, but I can watch it. I can keep score. Like I'm learning terms. Like I can tell like what a, like different kinds of serves. And I know a lot about tennis. 
All right, I see you. I see you. What about you? What's up for you? What's up for me this week is another tool of deconstruction. My friend Brittany uh, told me about this podcast called the Inverse Podcast, and they're doing a series on atonement theory. <laughs> so I'll say if you did not grow up in an evangelical Christian tradition, you can tune me out right now because this is not going to make any sense. But this guy and this episode I listened to, uh, which we'll link in the show notes, is talking about penal atonement theory and how basically it's this theory that God was angry kind of in like a volcano God kind of way. And, you know, in the volcano God traditions, like, you know, you throw a virgin in and then the volcano God is not mad anymore. And so that, that is what Jesus did on the cross. Um, and I will say, I've never spent any time thinking about atonement theory at all. The definition, how to describe Jesus's death on the cross as a thing. Like I, I not spent that time thinking, but in this episode, um, he just talks about how there's lots of evidence that that's not true and that Jesus, Jesus's death was about love, which just on that level alone just clicks and makes so much sense. And so yeah. it is fascinating. It is super heady. I listened to it in the car. Um, I feel like I need to listen to it again with like a piece of paper <laughs> and the pause button, because there's so many things that you're just like, ah. Uh, what? Nah. And it's like tearing down all the things that you thought you knew, um, which is a theme for my life right now. But again, if you were not raised in the evangelical Christian tradition, do not listen to it. You will likely be bored by it. But if you were, it is fascinating. Uh, and honestly, it might be fascinating to everybody, but it is uh, the latest thing that I've listen to that has really kind of been super interesting and informative to me. So top of mind for me today. Okay. And we'll link it in the show notes. Yeah. And that's it. That's it. So support for this podcast comes from Lilax on York Creative Studios. The family meeting is produced by me and Allison. Additional production, audio mixing, and sound editing by Will Salua, who also wrote and produced our theme song entitled 135th and Coffee need a unique track beat or sound mixing and editing you can find his email address and ig handle in our show notes every week you can find the show notes on what we discussed including links posted in the blog section on lolixonyork.com you can also visit the podcast tab on the website to listen to all of the current episodes and you can, you can keep up with the show on instagram at lilacs on york you can find me on social at allison k mason on ig and twitter even though i do not tweet you can find me on social at twice 11 on IG and Twitter, even though I don't post on IG. Thanks for listening. Meet you here next week. <laughs>